Let's uh, open our Bible in the Gospel according to St. Luke, starting from verse uh, chapter 23, starting from verse 32 to 38. Luke 23, 32 to 38. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even stared at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written notice about him which read, this is the King of the Jews. Amen. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this time that you give to each and every one of us. To this place where we can gather and worship you in spirit and in truth. And part of our worship, O Lord, is to hear your word. May you open our hearts, Lord. And open and help us, O oh Lord, to hear your word. Give us a heart of understanding. Whatever the message tonight, O oh Lord, may your name be lifted to up. Tonight, O oh Lord, I ask for the forgiveness of my sins. May you, O oh Lord, cleanse me with your precious blood. So that as I speak tonight, Lord, use me as a clean vessel of your word. Guard my mouth. Guard, guard my mind and my heart, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Look records one of the turning points in Jesus' life. If we open our Bible in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. We should resolutely set our faces toward the cross. That we might appreciate what Christ accomplished and what God offers to those who trust in His salvation. Church Spargion said, A view of Christ on Calvary is always beneficial to a Christian. Repeatedly we need to go to the Calvary where God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 
We need to go to Calvary where Christ was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. We need to go to Calvary and by inspired imagination behold Him bearing our sins in His body on the cross. We need to go to Calvary to, to be overwhelmed with the tremendous truth that God has commended His love toward us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. There were great crowds on Calvary that day. And when the sinless, stainless, spotless Lamb of God was crucified, some of the onlookers were indifferent. But also in the crowd were the triumphant self-righteous Jewish leaders who bitterly resented Jesus because he did not fit into their plans of nationalistic and materialistic Messiah. The brutal Roman soldiers were there as well. And concerned about the suffering of him whose agony of soul for sin far exceeded the physical anguish of death by crucifixion. Farther back were the depressed and desolate loved ones of Jesus Christ, whose heart were indescribable crushed by this shameful catastrophe. If we have been there that day, we would have seen and heard many things that needed interpretation. If we relate ourselves properly to Him who died on the center of the cross, for example, listening sympathetically to the cries of those who were dying on the crosses. would help us to learn more about Jesus. He had said on one occasion in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, the second part says, For out of the overwhelm of the heart, the mouth speaks. The words that fall from our lips are photographed to some extent of the mind from which they come. The words of Jesus spoken from the cross present to us a photograph of His heart concerning sinners. It is highly possible that Jesus plea for forgiveness for those who were in charge of the crucifixion help bring about the change in attitude of one of the thieves who was also being crucified. Matthew's Gospel records that at first both the thieves railed upon him and mocked him. 
Let's open our Bible in Matthew chapter 20, 27 verse 38 to 34. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by heard insult at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said. But he can save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross. And we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also hit insult on him. Something happened that caused one of them to acknowledge that he was receiving due rewards of his deeds. And there arose from his heart a plea for merciful considerations once Jesus entered his kingdom. In Luke chapter 23, verse 40 to 42, it says, But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Possibly he curses and insults were changed into a prayer for mercy as he heard Christ pray. As we look in chapter, uh, in Luke chapter 23 verse 34, the first part he says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they, they, they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. In this prayer of Jesus, I want to discuss to you four points about this forgiveness that the Lord bestowed upon us. First, the desperate need for forgiveness. The desperate need for forgiveness. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. It was beyond the power of those who had a hand in Jesus' crucifixion to comprehend fully an enormity of their sin. They could not possibly recognize that this time how greatly they needed the forgiveness of God.
We needed forgiveness. If you remember Judas, the betrayer, he needed forgiveness. The Jewish leaders, who in proud, prejudiced, prejudiced self-righteous, were gloating in success over Christ's death, needed forgiveness. Herod, the puppet king who considered Jesus as worker of magic and who requested the performance of a miracle, was in need of forgiveness. Pilate, the conniving, cowardly politician who had delivered an innocent man into the hands of malicious mob, needed forgiveness. The cruel Roman soldiers, who in total indifference for his suffering, gambled on his rope while he suffered indescribably agony, needed forgiveness. The mild mob, who came by to curse and revile and taunt the suffering Savior, was greatly in need of forgiveness. The disciples, who in fear for their lives had fled during the night because of their personal peril, needed forgiveness. All of us here in need of forgiveness. For all of us are sinners. We have broken God's holy law. We have fallen short not only for the divine standard, but for our human standard and idea. Honestly, would require of each of us that we need to admit. I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Secondly, the meaning of forgiveness. The meaning of forgiveness. Perhaps Jesus was interceding to hold back the wrath of God upon those who were unjustly crucifying Him or crucifying an innocent man. Perhaps Jesus was praying for them to have a full opportunity to repent and to experience the cleansing of forgiveness. To experience forgiveness is to have an indictment based on personal guilt. Remove and cancel. To be forgiven is to have a warm relationship restored that has been broken because of sin. In the parable of prodigal son, which in reality is the parable of the waiting father, Jesus exhibits the meaning of forgiveness. 
It is to hold his sin against his him, uh, sorry. It is to hold his sin against him no longer. It is to restore a warm relationship. Jesus was concerned about sin to extend that he was eager to forgive those who have driven the spikes into his hands and feet. Thirdly, the consequences of forgiveness. In the midst of his indescribable suffering, the Savior was expressing the hope and the prayer that his crucifier might experience the joy of forgiveness. To be forgiven is to enjoy the love of the Father's heart and home. If we open our Bible in Luke chapter 15 verse 20. This is the father and the prodigal son, he says. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The father in Jesus' parable had eagerly awaited the day with loving compassion when his wayward son would come to his senses and forsake the way of life that disappoints and bring destruction. To be forgiven is to experience the prestige of divine sonships. Luke 15 22 says, but the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. To recognize the consequences of divine forgiveness is to understand why babies rejoice and praise God for the assurance of forgiveness following his confession of his sin. In Psalms chapter 103, verses 1 to 3, and David says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, O my inmost being. Praise Him, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Fourthly, the conditions of receiving forgiveness. Conditions for receiving forgiveness. Luke's Gospel, which alone records this prayer of intercession for forgiveness, measures on the offer of forgiveness through repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is necessary for one to enjoy the blessings of forgiveness. 
God is eager for people to receive forgiveness. As the Savior's prayer on the cross indicates, Jesus insisted as had John the Baptist, the people must repent or perish. In Luke chapter 13, verse 3 and verse 5, he says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And he repeated in verse 5, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Before people will repent, they must recognize that they are a sinners in need of forgiveness. Unless you recognize that you are a sinner and need forgiveness, you will not repent. The scribes and the Pharisees were guilty of believing that they had already received the favor of God and had no need of repentance. In irony, Jesus has said to them in Luke chapter 5 verse 32, he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you consider yourself a righteous man or a righteous woman, just like the Pharisees, you will not repent. In the parable of the waiting father, Jesus emphasized that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over, than over 99 righteous persons who feel no need of forgiveness. Let's look in Luke chapter 15 verse 7 and verse 10. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need repent, to repent. And in verse 10 he says, In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Faith is necessary for one to receive the consequences of forgiveness. When four friends brought a paralyzed man through the crowd to the great healer, his reaction when he saw the combined faith of the five was to say, in Luke chapter 5, the second part in verse 20, he says, Friends, your sins are forgiven. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Forgiven. The pain of their hearts, which he detected in their eyes, and which they have proven by their efforts, made it possible of him to bestow the blessings of forgiveness on the man who was looking to him alone 
in his time of needs. It was the faith of the prostitute in the forgiveness uh, in the forgiving grace of God through Jesus Christ that made it possible for her to receive the gift of forgiveness. In Luke chapter 7 verse 50, Jesus says, Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Because of the blessed benefits of forgiveness, she had within her heart an immeasurable love for the Savior that manifested itself in a lavish display of gratitude. In Luke chapter 7, verse 42 to 47, if you remember this woman. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman I came into your house? You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her, her, her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she had poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who had been forgiven little, loves little. Genuine repentance and saving faith are two inseparable sides of one point. They are so inseparable that at times the call to convers uh, conversion comes in the form of a challenge to repent. In other instances, it is an invitation to trust. Genuine repentance and saving faith, the two parts of the human resp response to the good news of God's love, are inseparable as a man and his shadow in the brightness of the sun at noon. No matter where you go, the shadow follows you. Before I close this message, let me share you some illustrations. One of the most powerful prayers in the midst of suffering was uncovered from the horrors of Ravensbrück concentration camp. Ravensbrück was a concentration camp built in 1939 for women. Over 92 over 90,000 women and children perished in Ravensbrück, murdered by the Nazis. Corrie Ten Boom, who wrote The Hiding Place, was imprisoned there too. The prayer found in the clothing of a dead 
child says, O oh Lord, remember not only the men and women of good will, but also those of ill will, but do not remember all of the sufferings they have inflicted upon us. Instead, remember the fruits we have borne because of this suffering. Our fellowship, our loyalty to one another, our humility, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart that has grown from this struggle. When our persecutor come to be judged by you, let all of their fruits that we have borne be their forgiveness. In the midst of his awful agony on the cross, the suffering Savior manifested God's concern for sinners by praying for his crucifiers. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The question in our midst tonight are, First, do you qualify to be included among those who receive the benefits of forgiveness? Do you qualify to be included among those who receive the benefits of forgiveness? Second, have you seen? Have you seen? Or are you willing to admit it? Are you willing to admit it? Are you sorry for it? Listen to this prayer on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Believe that His loves, He loves you in spite of your sin. And come for forgiveness. Not tomorrow, not next month, but today, right now. The Lord is willing and His arms are open. Just acknowledge yourself. Repent and the Lord is willing to forgive us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us all. Help us to see ourselves tonight. Help us to see our sins. The things that we do not in accordance to your will. So that as we recognize our sins, O Lord, we might come and repent from these things that we can do. 
and accept your forgiveness through your son Jesus Christ who died for us to redeem us from our sins. Thank you Jesus that you died for us. Thank you Lord for saving us.